Hi, and welcome back to the podcast of Idiots and Intellects. I'm your host, Kelsey Hatzinger, and literally always is Cody. What it do, baby boo? What? I don't know. I don't like that. I'm sorry. I think it was in some movie from, like, the 90s. What it do, baby boo? Sean, okay, Sean has, like, not a nice butt. He has just, like, a normal man butt where it's, like... He looks very flat. It's just there. He, yeah, it's very, very flat. Two by four. Plank. Yeah. And he was singing a song in the car today, like, big boy, buttery, bubbly butt cheeks. That's me. And I was like, fucking what is happening right now? Ew. Yeah, because it's not, it's, moving on. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the Stanford prison experiment, which is pretty intense. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, it was actually one of my favorite topics to learn about in psych, in psych class. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's so well known that it's taught about in every psych class. We, um, we actually watched the film mm-hmm. in my intro to sociology oh, really? or whatever. Yeah. It was really, it was crazy. Like, if you haven't seen the film and you're interested in psychology, it's definitely one to watch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> So, the Stanford Prison Experiment took place in August of 1971, and um, like we said, it's one of the most widely recognized psychology experiments to date, but it's also one of the most controversial and ethically questionable, which is kind of really important when you're looking at the conclusions, because how can you really draw conclusions if it wasn't done... I don't know. We'll get into that, but, (laughs) um, hey, okay, I forgot to tell you this before, but did you know, um, today, our city mayor actually door-dinged my car. What? (laughs) Yeah, our mayor door-dinged my car at the gas station this morning. Did he apologize? She, yeah. Oh, she? Becky? I don't keep up with politics. It's the mayor. (laughs) Is that even really a political... I mean, like, they do the campaign and, like, whatever, but it's not, you know, it's not. Anyways, okay, okay. Did she apologize? She did. She was very nice. Did you get her autograph? I did not need it. I went to school with her sons. Oh, so were her kids? Um, I'll tell you after. Okay. I was going to say, after I asked that, I probably shouldn't say things like that. We're not naming names. Even though we have before, we've talked about everyone. Yeah. Um, so the Stanford Prison Experience. Some very, like, detail. Yeah. Especially coworkers. Talked a lot about coworkers. Hmm. A couple of my friends we talked really in depth about, too. For That's God, true. Who knows Dibbick. why. Dibbick. Dibbick. Like Derek, but not, but not at, at all. all. Um. Okay. <laughs> So the Stanford Prison Experiment, um, it was a social psychology experiment um, that was trying to investigate the effects of perceived power, um, focusing specifically on the struggle between prisoners and prison officers. So we've experienced perceived power in Staples. Yeah. (laughs) Like your new sales manager. She's we won't a, name names. She's a wonderful person. Oh, so good. Explain that a little bit. Like when someone comes in and like they just got hired 
for like a like, mid-level like I get position. it. I get it that like you trained at a different location, which all Staples stores are run different. Mm-hmm. They're not all run the same exact way. Right. Because it varies depending on like size of the town and so on and so forth. Yeah. She trained in this like really huge Staples store mm-hmm. and then came to our store, which is like a small store because it's in a small town. Yeah, there's like 15,000 or 16,000 people in our town. Give now. or take, yeah. She comes in day one, changing, trying to change everything so it's done the way that that store was done. We're like, hold up. Right. Wait a minute. But also no regard for her higher ups either. No. So I think that might be an example of perceived power. Honestly. <laughs> um, so there were some huge questions that the researchers of this simulation study were trying to answer. Um, And some of them were pretty straightforward, like, was the brutality reported within American prisons a result of sadistic personalities within the guards themselves, or was it a result of the prison environment? Yes. Yes, doll. (laughs) Um, That was pretty straightforward, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, do prisoners and guards have personalities that will make for inevitable conflict? Or do guards and prisoners behave in a hostile manner because of the rigid power structure of the prison's social environment? Power is such a touchy subject. In it's general. weird. It's like, weird. So many people get very power hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, oh, there was a cardinal outside. Um. <laughs> oh, also, cardinals in the Vatican power hungry sometimes. Yes. <laughs> Just perfect timing. Full circle there. Um, the next questions, I we'll talk about them. Um, okay, good. I hope so. <laughs> what happens when you put good people in an evil place? And does humanity win over evil, or will evil triumph? Now, those two questions were taken directly from the Stanford Prison Experiment website, and they seem like loaded questions to me. These don't seem like neutral research questions. Well, if you watch Disney, evil never wins. So, obviously Disney's correct. <laughs> Why didn't they just have you run this run this simulation? <laughs> it would have been over in 5 Great minutes. Great fucking question. Yeah. You wouldn't have even had to do it. It would have been no, fine. Everything's exactly. fine. I would have give everyone a different every prison guard a different Disney villain portray that's true and then their little person they had to watch over prisoner would just be their the good person hero of the movie (laughs) you know um kind of like tangled kind of like gothel and rapunzel perfect basically the same thing that is strikingly accurate (laughs) (laughs) um see i know things (laughs) it just seems like such a weird question like what happens when you put good people in an evil place how do you determine what an evil place is? I guess it's, it's, it's like, like an evil power thing too. Yeah, it's an evil place if you create it to that be way. an evil. Yeah, right. So, but like, what is your definition of a good person too? Like, is there no bad bone in their body? So true. Yeah, how do you navigate that sea? Because if there, were, if you went off of good people in like a bad situation like that. Mm-hmm. If, in theory, you're going with there's not a single bad bone in their body, power 
you would think power circle wouldn't take over and they would let the the inmates walk all over them. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I have such mixed feelings about this because I don't think the study was set up um, in a neutral way, which psychology studies need to be set up in a neutral way. That's the whole point. Right. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm entertaining myself. <laughs> he put a zip tie on a pen and is flinging it around. That's a... It looks weird. It looks like um those office lamps. Like those really oh, old yeah. office lamps with like the green glass lampshade. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Except this is a blue pen. Yeah, I said it looks similar too. <laughs> it's not this, I'm going to hit you with it. You I'm going to poke you with it. Don't. I'll stab you with this pencil. Please don't. My, um, <laughs> my ninth grade biology teacher told us a story of when he was in high school, he threw his pencil and like the lead tip hit another kid directly in the eye and apparently like his eye deflated. Ew. Yeah. So just, uh, just keep that in mind. Ew. <laughs> Gross. Okay. Um, so there's so that, much. That reminds me of this weird video I was watching once. Okay. Of this dude's contact was like dry, stuck to his eye and he Ew. went to try and peel it off and like you saw his eye basically almost coming out of socket. Ew. I, that one's worse. Mm -hmm. That one's so much worse. Show me the video, though. I, I would have to when... find it. I, it was on TikTok, I think, so... Oh, God. Everything's on TikTok. That's going to be hard to try and find if I didn't save it. Oh, gross. Okay. I'm sure if it's on TikTok, it's on YouTube now, too. Probably. Everything's... Yeah. But I don't want to YouTube that, because I don't know what else is going to come up, but I'm going to be even more disgusted. That's a fair point. I don't... Yeah, that's... This is it's too like dangerous. It's like Google image searching something, and you're afraid of what's going to actually <laughs> pop up. Just like Google image search like steamrollers, like the equipment, and it is absolutely, uh, it does not show the equipment. Okay, um, <laughs> so there's so much controversy swimming around this experiment, and for a good reason, um, which we will really kind of dig into mm -hmm. later, because it's pretty intense. Um, the conductor of the experiment, Professor Philip G. Zimbardo planned a two-week simulation but had to stop it only six days in due to the intensity of brutality from the guards and the intensity of the suffering um, from the mock prisoners. So, you know, it you just know it's not going to go well. <laughs> you, you cut the... <laughs> we're just watching my mom out the window. She's doing stuff with the dogs outside. Um, well, at first I didn't even know who that was, and it kind of freaked me out. I was like, there's someone in your yard. Yes, that would, that would be the one who lives here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so, I guess before we get into all of like the gross behaviors, let's just kind of set the stage a little bit. Um, so, Zimbardo, that's a really cool last name, it by is. the way. Zimbardo. It's like Zamboni, like... But not at all. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be such a running joke for the rest of our lives. Yeah, we're going to be like 80 years old. Like, did it? Did like, Derek? Like, like, not, not at, at all? all? <laughs> if you don't know what that's from, go check out Haunted Horrors um, and the Dybbuk Box episode, because that's really funny. <laughs> um, yeah, my listeners don't know what I'm talking about when we say that. <laughs> But I don't have listeners, so I guess it doesn't really matter, huh? Um, 
So Zimbardo had <laughs> converted um, the basement of the Stanford University Psychology Building into a fake prison. Um, prison cells were created by removing the doors of some small lab rooms. And they replaced those doors with um, specially made doors with steel bars. If you watch the videos, it really kind of does look like a mm-hmm. prison in there. It's pretty... Or even just any of the photos if you look it up. Yeah. <clears throat> it's pretty pretty spot on. They did a good job. I wonder how much um, funding was given for this experiment. I should have looked at it that. Sounds, it sounds it's expensive. It's pricey. I will look it up. It's pricey to <laughs> have specially made doors and renovate an entire basement of a college building. Um, but so cell numbers were also added outside of each of the little lab rooms, which became the cells. And each end of the corridor containing the cells had been blocked off. And that corridor space became the yard, which even like in normal prisons, there's always the yard where people scrap and mm-hmm. break each other's noses and all that junk. Um, you know what's weird is, like, there's always so much gym equipment in prison movies. And, like, a lot of people are super buff, but also a bunch of them are just super, super scrawny. And it shows them, like, doing the weights, but they never gain any weight in muscle because it's a movie yeah and that's stupid make it real (laughs) make it as realistic as you can yes fuck those directors okay um especially how horror movies are made as realistic as possible yeah (laughs) um so the yard was the only area that prisoners were allowed into besides their cells um one end of the corridor had a small opening where the researchers would film through Um, So they could see and document everything that was happening within this fake prison. And then on the opposite side of the um, hallway, there was a really, really, really tiny closet that became solitary confinement, and it became known as the hole, similar to real prisons. Um, This closet was only two foot by two foot, and it was tall enough for for any of the prisoners to stand up in. So pretty much you were just standing there, arms pinned to your side. You couldn't see anything because it was dark. Mm-hmm. You couldn't move because you were literally confined. <laughs> um, the only thing I'm finding is that the experiment was funded by a government grant from the U.S. Of Office of Naval Research. Oh. To study the antisocial behavior. That's interesting. Otherwise, the only other thing is like the $15 per day that... The people were paid. Oh, yeah, that's another expense to go in. Well, mm-hmm. that's weird. Why know. would the Naval Office be interested in this specific study? As Question for a different day, I about guess. About <laughs> maybe, like, captives and stuff and how to... Yeah, maybe. Handle hmm. them, I don't know. Um, so, there's the tiny, tiny closet, the hole. Super tiny can't express how tiny um and then the bathroom that everyone had to use was down a separate hallway so prisoners would be (laughs) would be blindfolded 
and then escorted to the bathroom so that they wouldn't know how to get out of the prison. Um, and then an intercom system was used to secretly listen to the mock prisoners in the cells and also to make public announcements. Um, researchers had called upon several experienced consultants, I guess, to emanate the Prison experience. Eminate? 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 Illuminate? Aluminum linoleum? Aluminum linoleum. Aluminum linoleum. Okay. I did it. I did real slow, but I'll practice and I'll get back to you. Okay. Um, They wanted to bring to life the prison experience. Um, one of the people that they called in was a former prisoner who had served nearly 17 years behind bars, so he knew what he was talking about. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so let's talk about how they got the prisoners and the guards. So what, an ad was placed in a local paper? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, 75 applicants answered the ad. And were given diagnostic interviews and a bunch of personality tests, apparently, um, to eliminate candidates who had any psychological problems, medical disabilities, or a history of crime and or drug use. Usually those two go hand in hand, so. Basically, yeah. Um, and then 24 young men who were deemed the most physically and mentally stable were chosen to participate. And they were given the $15 a day, which we talked about just a second ago. Um, And none of them knew each other beforehand, which Which is is, super important. Yeah. Yeah. Very smart to do, too. Yeah. You don't want want friends doing this experiment No, because it would not work out very well. Yeah. Do you think it wouldn't work out because they would no longer be friends after it? Or do you think they would team up against other inmates or guards? Honestly, yes. Like, just all All of it. it. Yeah, like, it would definitely ruin friendships because you'll have some of your friends being in power over you. Mm -hmm. And then the other ones would be, okay, well, you have these friends, this friend group, like, oh, I know this, I know their weakness sort of a thing, so. Yeah. Hmm. There's a lot of, I don't know, there's so many different potential outcomes for so many different um, variations of the simulation. Mm -hmm. It's insane. I don't, I don't know, man. Um, so how did the prisoners come to be in the fake prison? This is super interesting too. Like I would, I would hate this as if I was one of the prisoners in this experiment, Mm -hmm. but it was super cool learning about this because they actually had, uh, police conduct surprise arrests at their houses where they showed up, they got arrested, um, they were handcuffed, searched, read their rights, and driven in a squad car to the police station for bookings and getting their fingerprints done. Mm -hmm. And that's super important. They went to the actual police Mm -hmm. station. Like, everything was really... They went above and beyond to make the arrest experience real. Right. And what happened was, the first five prisoners, they were charged with burglary... Mm-hmm. And the last four were charged with armed robbery, mm-hmm. which was super cool. But looking back, I want to know like if their actual records show that now or not, or if it yeah. shows like 
if it's it just listed, says experiment at the yeah. end. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't imagine that that would have like gone on their official record even as an experiment. Right. Hmm. Can you imagine like being a police officer though and taking time out of your busy day to like fake arrest a bunch of kids and book them? That'd be fun. <laughs> That'd be fun, but I feel like the serious cops would have been pissed. Like, oh, absolutely. Why are we doing this? This, this is ridiculous. Is a, this I've is a got waste like of our time. literal murderers to catch. So, no, that was really well done um, in terms of trying to make it like a real prison mm-hmm. experience. I think that was. They really went above and beyond. I wonder if they were warned about that or if it just happened. Like, just all of a sudden, like, hey, you're going to be a prisoner for this experiment, and it's going to start this day, and you're going to get arrested, or I read here's this, and then yeah. just surprise, you're getting arrested for who knows what, and just going to freak out and panic. I read somewhere, um, you can hear the dogs in the background, I don't know if you guys can, but um, I read somewhere that they knew that they were going to get arrested that day, they just didn't know when. Mm. Um, and they were all told to stay home because they needed to get arrested. But I don't, I don't think they knew any other information. Interesting. (laughs) I'm imagining just like the parents going around and telling the neighbors like, by the way, he's not really getting arrested. He didn't do anything. He's a good boy. (laughs) Um, so once the prisoners arrived at the fake prison, um, this part was really important it's a really key concept um that really drives this entire experiment um de-individualization which is i feel weird when i say it um but it's when an individual loses their sense of self so the prisoners were essentially stripped of their own personalities um they were stripped naked deloused and had any personal possessions taken away um they were then given prison clothes and bedding and were referred to only by their prison number so they no longer had their names um and that really really affected some of the prisoners which we can talk about 819 yes yeah so prisoner 819 had a really hard time with that and we'll talk about that in a little bit but um So, yeah, and by calling the prisoners only by their ID number, it made them feel anonymous. Again, like, it's taking away their entire identity. Um, Guards were given uniforms, which gave them kind of a sense of perceived power, um, leading them to assume authoritarian roles. They also carried a whistle and a billy club, which was also borrowed from the police Mm -hmm. department. That police department is <laughs> a champ for. It must have like really that. been willing to help with us. Yeah. But the like the important part though with the guards' uniforms is that they were provided the sunglasses too. Yeah, and that um, eliminated eye contact mm-hmm. with the prisoners. Yeah, so that is super important because if you don't make eye contact with someone. That makes it even more... There... Makes you feel like even less of a person. Yeah. It's dehumanizing to not be able to, like, make that visual connection and, like, Mm -hmm. 
see how you're affecting someone. Um, so another really important thing that I think really kind of wrecked this experiment is that guards were instructed to do whatever they needed to in order to maintain law and order, though technically physical violence was permitted. So you couldn't like beat the shit out of them Mm -hmm. with your fists. But there definitely was physical abuse that happened. Oh, absolutely, because they just didn't care at that point, because just, like, the power took over. Yeah. Um, so let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about all of the abuse, um, why they had to eliminate <laughs> um, certain prisoners. Certain prisoners just had to go home because yeah. they couldn't do it. Um, there was a rebellion on the second day. It's just everything gets super crazy super fast. So we're going to go through all of that. And welcome back. So now we are going to talk about um, the actual abuse and brutality that happened during this experiment because it's not great. Um, only a few hours into the experiment, some guards immediately began harassing prisoners. Um, at 2.30 in the morning, prisoners were woken up for the first of many counts um, and the first of many sleep deprivation series Honestly, as well. Um, <clears throat> the counts served as a way of familiarizing the prisoners with their ID numbers and still um, having that sense of their names being taken away. But more importantly, um, the counts provided opportunities for the guards to exercise control over the prisoners. So um, pretty quickly the prisoners began taking on their prisoner roles, um, and some even began siding with the prison guards against other prisoners who were apparently disobeying the rules. Um, so let's just talk about some of the punishments. Yeah, so a lot of times throughout this, they were taunted, insulted, um, giving very petty orders that were so boring and meaningless. It got to a point of all this being the punishments and the work they were told to do was so dehumanizing in itself yeah they were just such tedious tasks and what was the toothbrush thing? Uh, there was one thing where what they did what they were forced to do was clean their cell with their toothbrush yeah how great is that Yum. how great is that <laughs> but another one that another um punishment that was very tedious on the body along with the lack of sleep, low energy, and just being tired all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they were forced to do push-ups yeah. as a form of physical punishment Wasn't there by the one guards. guard that like would step on their backs while they were doing push-ups? Mm-hmm. And then others would have other prisoners sit on their backs? Yep. Yeah, so I can't do a normal push-up. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, I don't know. That's not great. My question is, what did the prisoners do that the guards were like, yeah, you deserve this? 
Or was it just, it was the perceived power? A lot of it was perceived power and just due to exhaustion, being waking up so early for counts and stuff like that and not getting a lot of sleep, them being so tired yeah. that they couldn't fit. There was so early they weren't physically able to do everything that they were demanding Yeah. that they started punishing them like right off the bat. Yeah. Well, well that seems great. Yeah, so that started right away where the guards were immediately like, I'm in charge here. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes back to the guards being instructed to do whatever necessary to maintain law and order. Right. Which, that's not, that's not a good way to run an experiment. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. Everything should be more neutral and I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, because of how far these guards pushed them on the first day, the mm. guards were all very high on a pedestal thinking they were top shit and nothing was going to get in their way at this point moving yeah. forward. Literally day two, there was a, a rebellion, rebellion yeah. broke out that morning. The second day of the experiment, there was already a rebellion. Um, and prisoners... Did this by removing their stocking caps, ripping off the numbers from their little smocks that they were given to wear. Um, and <laughs> they um, barricaded themselves in their cells by putting their beds against the door. So the guards were real dicks already, which is why this rebellion happened. <laughs> yeah. But they retaliated by using a fire extinguisher to shoot streams of skin-chilling carbon dioxide directly onto the prisoners, which that's very damaging. Mm -hmm. I, would can, I would classify that as physical abuse. Honestly. Which apparently they weren't permitted to do, but, you know, stuff was happening. <laughs> um, and so they finally broke into the cells and stripped the prisoners of their clothes and took away their beds... And um, the ringleaders of the rebellion were placed into solitary confinement, that little two-foot-by-two-foot two closet. So, <laughs> you know, weird stuff. I don't know. I feel like none of that really felt like the real prison experience either. Like, I'm sure... I don't know. I feel like, I mean, to an extent, yeah, yeah. I'm sure... I just, These guards have to do something as a form of power. Yeah. But I don't think in any sense, unless they're real dicks about their job, that they would be go to that extent. Especially that, that quick. quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Just not even knowing the prisoners. You know, if you've been a guard in a prison and you've dealt with the same prisoners for months or years and you know which ones like cause trouble right then yeah i would i would see being a little more biased towards them and being like yeah i don't know if you really get your sheets <laughs> right but i don't know but then they also had like those special privilege cells yeah so one of the three cells um was transformed into what they called a privilege cell um, and the three prisoners that were least involved in the rebellion um, were put in there, and they got super special treatment. Um, they got their beds back and their uniforms. 
and they were allowed to wash their hair and brush their teeth. Ooh, what a privilege. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Like, the other prisoners weren't allowed to brush their own teeth? No, because oh. they're probably <laughs> scrubbing their, stu- their fucking cells with the toothbrush. That's true. Oh, God, I can't imagine using the same toothbrush on my teeth after. I mean, that's the basement of a college building. You don't know what happens down there. <laughs> Honestly. Um, so, uh, they were allowed all that, and then they also got to eat special foods, whereas the people being punished had actually temporarily lost their right to eat. How's that? How's that not taste? I hate that. It's so, it's like, see, the prison guards, the fake prison guards, knew that they were part of an experiment. And there was one interview years later where um, one of them actually said, yeah, we knew all about it. Like, we were told to go to almost any means necessary and that they just wanted a reaction from the prisoners. So they thought that they were helping the experiment by being worse to the prisoners. So. What? (laughs) Yeah, that's, I don't think, I don't think the guidelines were really well formed. Absolutely not. By the researchers. Um, I feel like there should have been, at least for the... Actually, for both groups, there should have been a good sit-down separately with all the guards and, like, here's the do's and don'ts of your job. And then, with the prisoners, here's the do's and don'ts of what you're supposed to do. See, now, I'm a little... I have a little different opinion. I feel like they should have been... They shouldn't... I feel like the prison environment is not a good place to go over those questions of, well, does good really triumph over Mm -hmm. evil and whatever? Because in a prison environment, there's already the idea that guards have the authority over Mm -hmm. prisoners. So, and that's something that we'll talk about a little later on. Um, Well, we'll just talk about it now. We're already talking about it. Um, But, like, my, my view on, at least the guards portion, is, like, these guards in real life, have gone through schooling, classes, mm-hmm. learning what to do and what not to do. These guys are just literally picked at random and like, okay, all means necessary, do what you gotta do, bye. Yeah. Here's, I'm not gonna tell you yeah. how to do your job. Yeah. No training, just go. No, I agree with that. I think, I just think, like, the prison guard versus inmate mm-hmm. as a whole was yeah. just a bad way to explore those questions. And guards should have been given, like, hey, this is the situation. Mm-hmm. And then, like, just be given basic information, not be told, hey, right. do whatever you gotta do, man. Like, if that means punishment, then that's punishment, and that's fine. And then just let the guards take it wherever mm-hmm. they want. I think it should have been much more neutral. Because um, the, the guards had their own special meeting. And this is where they were like, yeah, just do it. Mm-hmm. Just do whatever. So, I don't know. It was a weird thing. I mean, if you want real conclusions, you don't set the stage like that. Mm-hmm. That's. I think that's the biggest thing. 
like they really set the stage to see evil win out or whatever. Um, but so there were some specific prisoners that had real issues going on. Yeah. Yeah. What what ones were those? So the first one was prisoner number eighty six twelve, where within less than thirty six hours into the experiment. He began suffering from acute emotional disturbance, disorganized thinking, uncontrollable crying, and rage. Nice. That sounds like a normal weekday for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, you have other reasons to be like that right now. True. Um, after a meeting with the guards, where they told him he was weak, but offered him informant status, he returned to the other prisoners and said, You can't leave. You can't quit. Oh. Basically, no matter how bad they want to be done with the experiment, it was basically a, sorry, you're stuck with us now. Yeah. See, and that was another thing. No one knew what time it was. Mm -mm. There were no windows. There were no clocks. It was like a fucking casino in there. <laughs> like, the prisoners okay, but I had like no... <laughs> well, yeah. Prisoners had no idea how far into um, the experiment they were. Some thought they were like almost done when it was only day three mm -hmm. others were like no we've only been in here for a couple days when it was like well technically they kind of were in there only for a couple days but yeah but eighty six twelve, like soon after began acting very crazy screaming cursing going into fits of rage and just being as out of control as possible to a point where the psychologists watching we're like, we have to let him out. He, he can't be here anymore. Yeah. So they let him leave. Did they just let him go, like, no psychological recommendations or anything? They were just like, ah, we created know. this problem. See ya. <laughs> I don't know about the... I don't know either. Repercussions in this or the future of that inmate. Because hmm. I know a lot of the inmates had to go to therapy after. And some of the guards, too, because they were like, I can't believe I did this stuff. Right, I'm such a good person. Yeah, just, I was a good boy. Um, so they let that guy out. There was another one, though, that... Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was prisoner 819, who broke down and began to cry hysterically. Um, the psychologist removed the chain from his foot... Oh, yeah, they were also chained, yeah. too. Moved the chain from his foot, the cap from his head, and told him to go and rest in a room that was adjacent to the prison yard. Mm -hmm. And they told him that they would get him some food and take him to see a doctor. Hmm. Isn't that the one that was, like, he was very confused, like, he didn't know his own name anymore, and he was like, I'm 819, I'm 819, I'm 819. Mm -hmm. And then the professor had to be like, you are not 819, you are this person, like, they said his name. Yeah. Well, it's, this is, like, how controlling psychological events are, because while all this was going on, one of the guards lined up all the other prisoners and had them chanting, quote, Prisoner 819 is a bad prisoner because of what Prisoner 819 did. My cell is a mess, Mr. Correctional Officer. End oh, quote. yeah. That's terrible. 
How would 819 dictate any of the other cells? <laughs> That's, I That's don't, the whole thing. But the thing is, like, that separate room that 819 was in was so close to um, the rest of the cells mm. that he could hear them chanting in oh, his room, yeah. which had... Which, when the psychologist went to check on him, he was sobbing uncontrollably, sobbing uncontrollably, and they tried to get 819 to agree to leave the experiment, but he would not agree to leave because the others labeled him a bad prisoner. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that insane? Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Like, I don't know. There's That's a... just... That's how you know an experiment mm -hmm. has gone too far. There's actually a quote in that was found from Zimbardo saying, quote, Listen, you are not 819. You are whatever his name was. And my name is Dr. Zimbardo. I am a, I am a psychologist. Oh, my God. I am a <laughs> psychologist, not a prison superintendent. And this is not a real prison. This is just an experiment. And those are students, not prisoners, just like you. Yeah. End quote. So he had to, like, explain to him, like, hey, motherfucker, this is not real. <laughs> yeah. The weird, the weird thing is, like, in that quote from Zimbardo, he eventually, like, says, okay, let's go. Mm -hmm. Let's leave. And the prisoner stops crying suddenly, looks up at him and just replies, okay, let's go. Like, nothing was wrong. Maybe he was acting to get out. Could have been. Otherwise, he's just so severely psychologically mm -hmm. damaged. I mean, both um, are really good options. Yeah. I mean, dehumanizing environments have such destructive um, psychological dynamics that it, like, you really would never know. Wouldn't you think, though, like, on the background checks that they did on these people, they wouldn't, they would have found something because wouldn't there be some sort of sign in, like, a background check like that? Like they had to do to where oh something could trigger yeah well trigger and they them. did they did personality tests as well so you'd think that they would have been able to determine if there were specific triggers mm -hmm. but I mean you never know I a lot of people don't even know what will trigger them either until they're put into a specific situation right so I, I guess it's hard to screen for that type of thing but at the same time I don't know how vigorous their screening process actually was um so that's just an example of how intense um some of the punishment was for these prisoners um six days in christina maslatch i think that's how you say it maslatch <laughs> i don't know um she was mustache. a recent mustache <laughs> But not at all. <laughs> right. Um, she was a recent Stanford um, doctorate graduate, and she was brought in to conduct interviews. She was absolutely appalled by the abuse being endured by the prisoners. Presidents? Prisoners? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, and she was like, you guys got to shut this down. Like, this isn't, this isn't right. I don't know what what you're doing here, but you got to stop. Um, and then that combined with a whole bunch of mental breakdowns, like prisoner 819. Um, all of the prisoners at this point were having 
kind of breakdowns. They were having a lot of psychological issues. It was very evident that they were stressed far beyond their limits. So Zimbardo was like, yeah, we should probably call it. So six days into a two-week experiment. Well, Zimbardo himself even admitted that he himself was too into his role as superintendent. Yeah. That he was just like, oh, shit. Well. Yeah. Like, as a researcher, you have to be able to step back and be like, holy shit. Right. What is happening? I'm letting this happen? The one thing that got me was that apparently there were about 50, 50 or more outsiders who seen in on this mm-hmm. prison. And she was the only one that questioned the mor- morality of it. Yeah, that's weird. Because they had parent visits, too. Yeah. But for the parent visits, apparently they were, like, threatened not to say anything. And, like, everyone was given back their beds and their sheets and, like, their clothes were reworked so that everything looked just fine. Everyone looked well-fed. Oh, yeah, they were all given meals right beforehand so that everyone was happy and satisfied and they wouldn't bitch to their parents. Like, please, for the love of God. Get me out of here. Like, this is what they fucking did to me. And then they were like, okay, well, here's food. Sorry. Like, what? I would have been like, mommy, help. (laughs) Um, yeah, so that's weird. Like, as parents, wouldn't you go in and be like, um, what? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I guess they're getting paid $15 a day, but... That's nothing compared to the years of therapy they had to pay for after. I'd rather do my retail job. Yeah. Also because I get paid more, but... I mean, true, but, like, you know, $15 a day? That's, like, nothing now. That was that was pretty okay. Probably, in yeah. 71, but... I don't know, man. Like, five bucks a day now. Just <laughs> help. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I don't know. This experiment, I think, was very misled. I think, um, like, the idea behind it and the motivation for it is interesting, and I think it should be studied. It's kind of like that classic nature versus nurture concept where, like, is it the environment or is it the person's internal whatever? But... I, it was not a neutral environment, um, and it shows that authority is really easily manifested out of nowhere. Um, there's one YouTube channel that oh sorry that did a really good job of explaining kind of, and they did their own version of the experiment mm-hmm. where they took away the prison environment um, just to see if people would um, use their power to harm a competitive team. So it's really good. Um, it's the channel Vsauce. It's <laughs> Vsauce? Vsauce. Vsauce. This guy, hello. <laughs> this guy named Michael. He's always like, hey, Vsauce, Michael here. That's how he... Anyways, he did... <laughs> no, I'm picturing is Art Michael doing that? Mar Michael. <laughs> Michael here. That's how I picture him at the furniture store now. <laughs> What's up, customer? Is Michael here? 
<laughs> Let me Buy tell you a about couch. this couch. Yeah. That's funny. We both like put our hands yeah. on our hips, like, oh. Um <laughs> Hello, Peter Pan. <laughs> Hello. Um but I don't know. This prison experiment was it was I don't think it I can't speak. <laughs> Um, I think the results were really inconclusive because you're trying to answer those questions of good versus evil, mm -hmm. what happens when a good person is put into an evil place. I mean, those are loaded questions, but trying to find the answers to the concepts behind them, you can't do that in a situation where there's already a power structure in place. Right. Like, the prisoners are always perceived as having no power, and then the guards are, like, up here. I mean, the guards are there to keep prisoners in line in any prison situation. Right. So there's already that sense of, like, yeah, I'm the guy. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's not a neutral environment to propose this type of simulation at all. Oh, absolutely not. Hmm. Well, I mean... I can understand why they were so tired, too. Mm -hmm. But, like, in a similar situation, I actually did something kind of like this before with a couple friends. Did you? Where, like, I think it's, like, once or twice a year, um, they ask for actors and stuff to help out with different scenarios, helping officers and guards work on oh. the ways they deal with things, deal sure. with different patients. Yeah. And I just remember helping with that. And literally by the end of it, I was so already involved like, with this character yeah. and situation that I was in tears by the end of it, mm -hmm. not wanting them to touch me. Yeah. And just so... Physically ex and emotionally exhausted by the end of it and the whole at least in our case We had to snap in and out in like less than a second because they would mm. stop and be like, okay What worked what didn't work go back try again, but try this mm. kind of an outtake at the end. Yeah Where I had to go back fix it for them and it was just so exhausting mm -hmm. See and that's really that's interesting. I didn't know you were part of that. That's really they paid me hundred bucks. They paid you a hundred bucks. It, was it wasn't cool. fifteen dollars a day. No, it was a hundred, hundred bucks for like four hours. But we did it in actual like jail, which nice. was terrifying, because like we, nice. we literally crossed when they were walking us to the correct building. We like crossed paths with actual inmates, and I'm just like, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna just die. Please don't look at please me. Don't look, just don't look don't at kill me. me. Oh my god. It was just some guy there for a DUI or something. <laughs> Right. Like, oh, you just think he's a child murderer. Um, yeah. See, that's interesting. Like, you even felt that way after... It was a known simulation to mm -hmm. you, though. Like, and I was informed on everything. Yeah. And so imagine being the prisoners in this exact study where they weren't really told what was being studied. But they had to still be in the mindset of a right. prisoner. Mm-hmm. And these guards were awful because they were told directly, hey, just be a jerk. <laughs> um, and they were given demand characteristics. Because the guards and prisoners were playing a role, their behavior um, 
was directly influenced. Because, I mean, you think of a prison guard, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think of? Very tough and assertive. Right. And you think of a prisoner, what do you think of? We, well, de- depends. Um, if In my head, it's more so like weak and belittled. Unless yeah. you want more TV, then they're just huge dicks. Yeah, there's like, um, there's the idea that they have a disrespect for any mm-hmm. authority. So going into this kind of study with those roles already in place, it's already set up to not give you accurate conclusions. And um, I don't know. I don't think the study's findings can be reasonably generalized and compared to real life. Right. But I don't know. It's interesting, though. And there's a lot of details that we skipped over um, because there is a lot. And it's... It's a lot to just think about because you really have to wrap your head around, like, the emotions and stuff. Um, so if you're interested, definitely watch the videos mm-hmm. that are available. Um, I would highly recommend the Vsauce video. It's really good. You get to see a modern version of the simulation, um, and that's pretty cool. When did that modern simulation, like, what year was that that they did that? Mm, um, within the last... Okay. So it's pretty recent. Because I'm generally curious, like, the outcome, if they did basically the same exact thing now. Yeah. Um, Well, what Michael found was that his conclusions were the complete opposite of what they came to um, in the Stanford Prison Experiment. So it's, it really, I think... This experiment was set to fail from the very beginning just because of the environment that they chose and the roles that they chose to use for that environment. Um, Because in the Vsauce video, they completely took that environment away. And they put... I don't want to spoil it because it is a really good video. um, But essentially, they put, like, a random group where they fully vetted them with, like, um, personality tests, background checks. Mm -hmm. The same thing, but... They walked you through step-by-step exactly what personality tests they did, um, which was helpful to, like, actually see that versus when Zimbardo says that they did personality tests. That's all he says. I haven't heard him say or I haven't read anywhere, like, the specifics. Yeah. Um, So they tried – well, this was a little different, though, because they tried to find people – that were specifically, like, good-hearted. So they went out of their way to kind of, like, pick out characteristics, which I think is another thing that maybe you shouldn't do if you're trying to do research on psychological issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Especially because those good-hearted people wouldn't be in prison anyway. Right. And so they put them in a room, and they were like, here, it's the room's completely dark. Here, solve this puzzle together. And then they were each given a buzzer with a dial, and um, the dial controlled a volume of, um, like, a distracting noise to apparently an opposing team. There was no other team, but they didn't know that. So that gave them that sense of perceived power of, like, oh, well, I can distract this team at any time, whatever. There's a separate, actual, like, famous psychology thing done very similar to that 
where it was like something about answering questions, someone was answering questions or whatever. And they were, one person, the other person was in control of like the pain level. Yeah. Yeah. That it's like the same thing because, um, after a certain volume, it became, um, apparently physically painful. Mm -hmm. And this study, none of them like cranked it all the way up. They only would, I don't know. It's really interesting to watch. I would recommend going and seeing it if you're interested in this type, what type of thing? (laughs) Skype. I meant to say kind and type, and then it just kind Skype? of happened. Skype? Uvu? <laughs> Zoom? Oh, no. I had my first Zoom meeting this week. Interesting. Yeah, it was kind of funny because I think my boss just wanted to, like, hang out with us. We didn't do too much business talk. <laughs> she just... I miss She's you. lonely, yeah. Aren't we all in this time? All right, so that's it for the Stanford Prison Experiment. Um, there's always more information to be... Found. Um, we didn't really, we didn't touch on like the sense of learned helplessness from the prisoners because that was a big factor too. Um, we didn't really, we discussed it, but we didn't directly like define dispositional um, behavior versus situational. There's a bunch of other um, factors that go into this topic, but this episode would be like four hours long, so we can't do that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, thanks for listening. Hope it wasn't too boring. I hope you like my Mayor Dordang story. Your what? My Mayor Dordang. Oh, Mayor Dordang. Ding. ding. Hello? What? <laughs> ding dong ditch. <laughs> ding dong ditch. We should almost do that. It'd be fun. I mean, there's nothing else to do. It's quarantine right now. I cut my own hair yesterday, Cody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Please true. Please help. See, when you said you cut your hair, I for some reason expected at least shoulder length. Yeah, I was thinking about doing it like that, and then Sean was like, oh, that'd look really cute and mature, and I was like, fuck you. So I didn't. <laughs> it's like when your mom says, oh, you look really cute. Oh, I have to go change. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was exactly like that. Um, so make sure to check out other episodes. If you are into psychology like I am, and you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we did an episode on dissociative identity disorder which was really good and Mm -hmm. really fun. We actually did two episodes because it took up so much. And you needed a part two. Yeah. Um, So definitely check that out. That one's really fun. I think that's probably like my favorite episode that we did. Yeah. Okay, anyways, bye. Bye. (laughs)